0: Nothing in your life falls outside of the scope, that God cares about how you behave. Today. Uh, first, if you're joining us online, uh, a very good morning, a very warm welcome, whether you are at Breakfast Club in Janabir, if you're at Bradley and Peter's Place uh, around the corner in Saar, or if you're just joining from home, you're very, very welcome. Uh, we would love to see you at one of these in-person gatherings very, very soon. Or uh if you're hanging out waiting for when we get back to school, uh Lord willing, in two weeks' time, Friday the 12th of November, we should be back. Uh we should be back at school. Uh, oh, we'll try that again. Uh in two weeks' time, we should be back in the school. That's that's much better. So we'll get involved to, to share that we use the word tabernacle, but then when we say, look, we're back to school after 18 months, silence. We're going to have to work to get back into a routine of like we're all together and there's a bit of back and forth. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Good try. <laughs> so uh, we're going to continue in First Corinthians. Uh, I want you to think about the last time you had a, a, a big, proper, serious choice to make, something you had to decide that was big and serious, something that affected you in the moment, but beyond as well. Maybe it was coming here uh, to Bahrain, if you had any input into that uh, decision. Maybe it was, I'm going to stay here for another year or two years or five years. Maybe it was something uh, to do with family planning. Maybe it was sort of moving your family, accepting a job. Maybe it was re-enlisting or extending your commission—big, serious, important decisions. That things like this—they come up, they come across our path now and again. The big stuff, but daily we've got to decide many, many things. Don't we? We've got to decide when to verbalise a response, or we've got to decide when to not. Yeah, you you teach, you know, in the classroom. Sometimes you want people to get involved, sometimes you really don't. Uh, so you've got to, little things like that, big things as well. Uh, w- whether we're talking about big things or small things, we want to understand what is going on before we make a choice, don't we? Ideally, we want to understand the consequences of our choices before we make them. So if you did have any input into coming here, probably not looking at the military guys because you might not have had too much input, you'll go in there or else. Uh, but if you did have any choice into the decision to come here, you probably, I would hope, maybe guess, you spoke to people who lived here. Maybe you came for a little luxury visit and stayed with friends that had already been here like twenty two years or something. Uh, maybe you spoke to people who were here, you were taking over from somebody's job, so you spoke to them before they left. Hopefully you looked it up on a map uh, and didn't think that you were going to Brunei, which some somebody genuinely did. Uh, another guy thought he was moving to Malaysia, and Bahrain was just a part of Malaysia, which was kind of weird. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> the more we understand, the more informed choices we make, yeah? Yeah. Yes, come, come on, We're, we're <laughs> two weeks we're back in school, we need to be back into a well-oiled machine by then. The more we understand, the more of an informed decision we can make, comma, yes, question mark, Amen. men, good, thank you, good, we're, we'll get there, two weeks back at school. Uh, so it's exactly what Paul is talking about, understanding. And then choosing. I'm so glad you did. You talked about choosing every day to do this, 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 this. Because it's exactly what I'm talking about, exactly what Paul talked about. And we didn't plan this at all. Uh, So Paul's talking about understanding and choosing. It's just as true for you and me now as it was 2,000 years ago when he wrote this to them. And he's very much building in this first four chapters what we would call the first four chapters of this letter, this big overall goal of behaving like a believer. And we've said when you do that, it adds unity to the community. We need to think like a believer, look at the world around us like a believer. And today he's kind of rounding off this big section before he gets into the kind of like nitty-gritty. Understand stuff like a believer and make choices like a believer. A couple of weeks ago... In verse 13 of chapter 4, he was really sharp. He was really biting with these people, uh, with his irony. He so like, says, You think of yourselves so highly. You think of me so lowly. that actually, this is how you should think about it. You should really stop thinking of yourself being so great. You think about me as being weak and meek. But that's how you should be thinking about yourselves. And he's got some really strong words. Or he had some really strong words for how they were perceiving themselves. And then in verses 14 to 21, today, he wants them to understand why. He wants them to understand why he's speaking to them like that. And he wants them to choose. He gives them the choice. How is it going to go from now? How are things going to play out? And it's exactly the same kind of choices that we need to make. How are things going to go for you? So, Um, As Saskia read, if you're joining us online, uh, as we're going to read now together, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 14 to 17. Paul says, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to correct you as my dear children. For though you may have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers, because I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I encourage you then, be imitators of me. For this reason, I've sent Timothy to you, who is my dear and faithful son in the Lord. He will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. So first thing then, Paul wants them to understand where is this all coming from? I'm not writing these things to shame you. It doesn't get a kick out of telling people off. This is the loving discipline of a parent, not the harsh rebuke of some distant teacher who's not connected to the community. Paul loves these people. He cares about these people. And he wants them to understand why he is encouraging them and exhorting them to a higher standard of behavior. He says, look, you might have 10,000 guardians, but you don't have many fathers. And the word that he uses is so interesting. When he, We read guardians, and it was this person in the ancient world who would look after a, a child, teach a child, care for a child, lead them to make the right kind of choices, until they come to a point where they can do that for themselves. And what Paul is saying, look, you've got loads of people in your life trying to help you make the right decision, But he says, I love you like a parent because of the gospel. Because I first came there and shared it with you. I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So there's loads of people trying to shape how you live your life. But it's not the same as what you and I have got. He says, I love you like a parent. And because of that, he says, look, I encourage you then, be imitators of me. So we just want to pause and think. Can you honestly, not to look at anyone in particular now, can you honestly say that to the people in your life? Be imitators. I encourage you then. Be imitators of me. Would you, with a clear conscience, say that to the people in your life? Be imitators of me. For me, it's really. This is really challenging and convicting. Like, can I honestly say this? And can we all say truthfully? to one another, to the believers in our lives, to the not yet believers in our lives, I encourage you then, be imitators of me. If your lives were filmed for 24 hours as a model of Christian behavior, this is what we do. This is how we do it. These are the choices we make. These are the reasons why. Would you be happy sharing that file with a new believer as as a yes? This This is what the Christian life is like. Would, would that video be full of spiritual disciplines? Would it be full of edifying conversations with other people? Would it be full of grace-filled interactions? Can we honestly say to anybody in our life, I encourage you then, be imitators of me. Do things like I'm doing things. So just like if you've got kids in the various different rooms, just like kid, uh, we care about how our children behave, all day, every day. God cares about you like that. And what Paul is showing us is that we ought to be caring for one another like that. The big truth here, like we talked about last week and Scott referenced with the presence of God being among us, this great big creator, sustainer, transcendent God cares about how you, individual you, behave each and every minute of each and every day. Not just 90 minutes a week when we get together and we put on the Friday face and we say, How are you doing? I'm good, brother. How are you? Good week? Fantastic week. And then we get back in the car and we go back to real life. Paul says, "I, I encourage you then all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, be imitators of me. And he's urging them to a higher standard of behavior they're believers so they can model it and minister it to one another. But let's just, we'll just talk about this for a minute. It doesn't mean the expectation of you and of me and of us is that we're going to live a sinless life. We don't need the extra pressure in our lives of, of being sinless. Let's be real, we, we can't do that. It's impossible for us to live a sinless life. There's a really dangerous false teaching called sinless perfectionism that says the longer you're a Christian, you'll just become sinless. You know, that process, your progressive, your daily sanctification, you'll get there this side of eternity. It's a really dangerous teaching because it makes people feel the pressure, and every time they do sin, It's extra, extra, extra pressure. And it contradicts a really plain and simple and orthodox teaching of Scripture. Uh, But we know, don't we, there's only one person who ever lived a life without sin. Uh, We know that we're going to think things, we're going to say things, and we're going to do things that put distance uh, between us and God. Sin. But when we do, it's really important our response to that is really really important are we are we genuinely cut up about it are we genuinely grieved sad over the fact that we've sinned against God that we've not lived up to how he wants us to live is there genuine and real repentance when we sin you know could if you think about back to this could we say look I encourage you be imitators of me in the way that I deal with my sin don't Be imitators of me, because I'm pretending to be sinless and spotless, but be imitators of me and how I deal with my sin, how I grieve over my sin, how I repent of my sin. And because Paul knows that behaving like a believer matters, it's so important, because he wants them to understand why it matters. He wants them to choose every day, as Brenda talked about, this new way of living. He says, look, for this reason, because I care so much about how you're behaving, how you're living, I've sent Timothy to you, who is my dear and faithful son in the Lord. He's going to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. So he cares so much about how they behave. He's going to send Timothy there. He says he's faithful And he's going to remind you of my ways. Timothy's going to remind you by word and ways of Paul's ways, which in turn is an imitation of Jesus. So when when we see this, we think we put the pieces together and we get it. We think that's why we should be saying this to one another. Hey, be imitators of me. Because what he's actually saying is, Be imitators of me because what we're actually doing, we're going to imitate Jesus together. We're going to do this together. So much of the first part of this this letter has been about community, hasn't it? We're going to do this together. If you're practicing your faith all by yourself, you can't do this. You can't do this with anybody. There's nobody to say. Let's imitate Jesus together. Let's look after one another together. Let's hold one another accountable. Be imitators of me as I imitate Jesus, not don't imitate me, the other person, because I'm your savior, I'm going to show you how to live a sinless life, imitate me, as we're both together, trying to follow Jesus, later in the letter, Paul kind of uses this again, and he's a bit clearer, he says, be imitators of me, just as, just as I also am, there we go, of Christ, and again, we can't do this, outside of community, can we, if you're, if you think your, your Christianity, your faith is a bit of a just me and God kind of thing, it's, that's not how it works. There has to be a community like this for you to say to other people, for other people to say to you, let's imitate Jesus together. Be imitators of me as, as I'm following God. There's no drop the kids off and leave kind of option. There's no sit down, listen, put the Friday face on, leave. It's a community where we're saying to one another, hey, be imitators of me. Because what we're really saying is, let's do this together. Follow me as I'm following Jesus. And we're all following one another. Let's do this together. Let's behave like believers together. Let's look after one another. Let's hold one another accountable. Be imitators of me as I imitate Jesus. So Paul then Paul wants the Corinthians to understand that their conduct needs to match their confession. Uh, they need to walk the walk as they're talking the talk. You know, Claiming to be a Christian, claiming Christ as Lord and Savior, but then living your own life out in the world is, uh, is not okay. And so he wants them to understand why. And this is where we can make it really, really personal. Where we can go from teaching, you know, what's, what's going on? Who said this? What does it mean? To a bit more preaching, like this is what it looks like in your life and in my life and in our community. We see what we see what's going on. Paul wants them to understand why he's telling them these things, and now he wants them to choose to change as a result of an encounter with the Word. And if just if we just pause there for a minute, isn't that not isn't isn't that what we all want? Yeah. Good. We're getting we're we're getting there. Don't we all want to change after an encounter with God through his word? We do. If we thank you. Uh if we don't, then we've got a question, why what, what are we doing? Why are we getting together? What are we doing if we get together and we don't want to change after an encounter with God? So let's read together verses eighteen to twenty-one. He really wants them to understand why. Now The choice to make. He says, Some have become arrogant, as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord is willing. And I will find out, not only the talk of these arrogant people, but also their power. For the kingdom of God is demonstrated, not in idle talk, but with power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or with love and a spirit of gentleness? So he wants them to understand what's going on, why he's telling them these things. And now he's laying out for them the choice. He says, look, some of you don't get it. Some of you don't get it. There's no understanding that this new life in Christ is, is just that, a new life. It's not a new place to go and sit on a Friday or a Saturday or a Sunday or a Tuesday night. It's not something that we just do. It's a new It's a completely new you, new life, new things that you want to do, new people that you want to see, new places you want to go. It's a new way of looking at and interacting with everything in the world. And as he continues through this letter, he's going to put out some really serious, some big examples of how we interact with stuff differently to those around us. So he wants him to understand, look, this is why I'm writing to you. I love you like a parent. You've got to be doing your best. I encourage you. Be imitators of me as I'm following Jesus. Timothy's going to come and show you it in action. And he says, look, some of you obviously don't get it. Some of you have become arrogant, proud, puffed up, inflated, as if I'm not going to come back and check on you, as if there's nobody looking after you, as if there's no accountability and authority in your life, as if your faith life is just done and dusted. You've believed And that's it. Now you're just going to sit and wait, either for Jesus to come back or for you to die. Some of you are behaving like you're the finished product already. But he said, didn't he? He said, I love you like a father. I love you like children. Paul loves them like a parent, and he doesn't want to abandon them. They're under his care, even if, in the moment, they don't understand why their behavior is not like a believer and they think that they've arrived they think that we've we've believed in Jesus we get together we do church together we gather together and then when we leave and go back to the world it's fine it doesn't matter if I'm behaving like everybody around me because you know once a week I'll go to church we've arrived we're we're, we're good enough but let me tell you, as honestly as possible, and with all the love that I can muster, we've not, we've not, we've not arrived. You've not arrived. You're not the finished product yet, are you? No. no. No, you're not. We've not made it. We're not living our best lives now, are we? No. Uh, you know, yes, this spirit-filled, grace-soaked life is pretty good, but it will keep getting better until we go to be with the Lord face to face but some of you Paul is saying some of you are living as if that is now and you've already peaked you are this is the, you, you, you're behaving like you've reached the end already he says you don't understand that this is not all there is you don't get it that there is more to come you're behaving like this is it so really simply he says look let's see it show me Show me. It's time to see the fruit in your life that you claim to be living. It's all right to, to, to say the right things. But he says in verse uh, 19, you know, I'll come soon, if the Lord is willing, and I'll find out. I will find out not only the talk, but if there is power. So it's all right claiming Christ as Lord and Savior, it's all right knowing what to say and when to say it. But Paul says, look, let me see. I'm going to come. Let me see the fruit of the life that you claim to live. It's time to put all your cards on the table and show me this life that you're living. Don't just tell me that you're living it. He says, you need to do this because for the kingdom of God is demonstrated not in idle talk, but with power. So you're talking like you've arrived. You're talking like you're, you're, you're making great progress towards this sinless perfectionism So let's see, I'll come and we'll do some stuff together and let's see, because the kingdom of God is demonstrated, not in idle talk, but with power. It's not about the things that we say, it's about the things that we do, isn't it? And Paul says, look, you're talking like I'm never gonna come back, but he says, I will, Lord willing, to find out what's going on and to see if what is happening is is true these things that people have written to me about these things that I've heard we're going to see if you're walking the walk because you can obviously talk the talk but we're going to we're going to see we're going to see if you're living this life and so look he says look we need to understand this behaving like a believer is really really important and as as Brenda said earlier we need to choose each and every day. Or well, the Corinthians did. Because when Paul comes back, he says, right, we'll see. We'll see what's going on. We'll see how you're behaving. And you can choose how this goes. He says in verse 21, what do you want? You can choose how this goes. Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline or with love and a spirit of gentleness? You can choose to do this the easy way. Or the hard way? He says, do you want the rod of discipline? Uh, He's talking about, in context, his authority to tell them, no, you're not doing it right. He's not going to turn up and start beating people with sticks. Can you imagine? He starts this church, he goes elsewhere, he comes back and he beats people with sticks. Would you ever take that guy seriously? No, you're doing it wrong smack what does that teach them that when they do it wrong they get beaten with a stick he says look <laughs> i can come back with a rod of discipline context i'm going to come back and, and point out to you painfully all the things that you're not doing right and there are people in this church who as he's talked about a few times they think they've arrived uh, they're trying to kind of undermine, discourage, uh, discredit Paul. And this is going to be really key for us as we move into the really difficult parts of this letter, the specific and serious things in our Christian lives, that when we're living in ways that directly contradict Scripture, if we're in a, in a community where people are saying, hey, imitate me as I imitate Jesus, somebody is going to call you out if your behavior doesn't match what you claim to believe. So Paul's saying, look, do you want confrontation when I come back? Do you want conflict? Do you want the conviction of, hey, you claim to be following Jesus, but your life is lacking any evidence of that? Nobody wants to be spoken to like that, do they? Hey, you claim to be following Jesus, but your life, I just can't see it. I just can't see it. Paul says, look, behave like that. Fracture your community and there's a rod of discipline waiting to be used against you. Or, he says, look, understand why you're getting this loving warning. Why, how I love you like a parent. Understand that you should be living like a believer. What you need to be doing in your life to demonstrate the faith that you claim to have. And then when we get together, it's going to be filled with love, gentleness. I'll be really kind to you. I'll be really patient with you. And I'll be really loving with you. And he says, what do you want? The ball is in their court. They can choose. You know, uh, (laughs) one of the, the strangest things about teaching the Bible is that without fail, almost every week, what I'm going to end up talking about, something ends up happening. Uh, so <laughs> yesterday, this is God's honest truth. Yesterday, somebody gets in touch, asks asks questions about church, Friday mornings, this. Uh, can I come and do this, 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 this? And will you do this, 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 this for me? So I said... Uh, you're very welcome to come, Uh, but we don't really do this, 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 because of that, 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 that. And so this guy, as Paul's been talking about, wanted his own personal preferences to override what we're doing. He, um, when I said no, like, just got really rude, like, it was all my fault, I'm a horrible person, I shouldn't be leading a church because we wouldn't let him do what he wanted to do, how he wanted to do it, when he wanted to do it, with whom he wanted to do it. And then when I I said to him, no, we don't don't do that. And I gave him loads of reasons, loads of really good, proper reasons. We don't do that because. I didn't just say no. No, not interested. Don't know you. No, we don't do that because. This, 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 this guy absolutely flipped. And then he (laughs) carried on. I was I was horrible person, and I'm a all these things, uh, and uh, then he was surprised that he that he wasn't met with love and a spirit of gentleness, with kindness and patience and love after he tried to get his own way. After he had been the Corinthians, he was really surprised when it was when we when we said no, we don't do that because 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 because. And so he had a choice yesterday. Paul's writing about to the Corinthians. You've got a choice. What do you want? It is up to you. No doubt he would much rather have gone to Corinth, had lots of Friday face, love, handshakes, greetings. How are you doing? I'm really well. I would have loved that guy to have come to church today. But, you know, Paul's not going to turn up, start beating them with sticks. But he's saying, look, I am going to come back, Lord willing and we can have a really good time. We can have a very mutually encouraging time, a blessed time. We can have a time together that's full of love and gentleness, the kind of interactions that you have with people, and you just leave feeling better. Or, he says, look, depending on how you choose to behave, I can come back, and I can lay out before you with a scriptural justification, because that's how he did things. I can lay out for you everything that you're doing wrong. And then metaphorically, not with a stick, I give you the rod of discipline. I tell you very clearly and simply how and where you're falling short because you don't really get, you don't really understand that your behavior matters. So he says, look, understand you ought to be living a certain way now that you claim to follow Christ. And as a parent would tell their kid, Choose, I want you to choose to do it. Yeah, I can force you into doing it. We can rod of discipline everything all day, every day. But he wants them to choose to do it. He says, What do you want? You can choose how you are received. You can choose how this goes. So for you and for me, the choice is exactly the same. Paul's not coming back, but we need to understand that our choices now need to be informed by who we are as believers. We're made in God's image, which means we carry the the, the characteristics. We don't all look the same, do we? We're redeemed, we're forgiven, we're part of a community. We claim certain things about our life, who we are, what we believe, what we think. And the choices we make and the, the, the things that we do need to reflect that. So as the Corinthians needed to understand where Paul was coming from in rebuking them and urging them to make better choices, it's exactly the same. It's exactly the same for you and for me. How we behave outside of 90 minutes on a Friday morning really, really matters. Because as Paul is saying, look, I'm coming back. And you can choose how this is going to go as Paul is saying that to the Corinthians. So too does Jesus to you. Uh, If you've got a Bible there, just go with me to the last book of the Bible, to Revelation. I'm going to go right to the end of Revelation, to Revelation 22, last chapter of the last book. And so John, as the guy who committed this to paper or a parchment or whatnot, John has seen in Revelation what we can only describe as this epically detailed uh, and very precise vision of when now meets eternity, of when Jesus returns, the the end of, of things as we know it. And in Revelation 22, verse 10, we read, Then he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy contained in this book because the time is near. The evildoer must continue to do evil. The one who is morally filthy must continue to be filthy. The one who is righteous must continue to act righteously. And the one who is holy must continue to be holy. He says, look, I'm coming soon. And my reward is with me to pay each one according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. God cares about how you behave. He cares about the choices you make. The big ones, the small ones, everything in between. And he wants you to understand, really get it, accept it, internalize it, live as a result of it. He wants you to understand, like Paul did for the Corinthians, that he is coming back and you can choose how it goes. Is that not a great deal for us? Are we not getting the best part of this? He is coming back and you can choose how it goes. Through the wonderful and the rich and the deep grace of God, you can choose how it goes for you. Is there not a wonderful freedom in that? Your future's not mapped out, laid out, determined for you. It's not fate. There's a wonderful freedom here. You can choose how it goes for you. Last chapter, last book. I'm coming soon. I'm coming quickly, swiftly. When it comes again, it will be too late to begin to behave like a believer, because when he comes, it's done. I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me to pay each one according to what he has done. As Paul is saying to Corinthians, look, I'm coming back, and you can choose how we interact. You can choose through your behavior how this goes when I come back. Jesus says the same thing to you. He says, I'm coming back. When I come, it'll be too late to start behaving like a believer, you can choose how we meet, not when we meet, uh, how we meet. You can choose how you're going to be greeted, how it's all going to go down. Uh, a guy called John Walvoord, a pastor, a theologian, he wrote, a reward is promised to the saints for what they've done. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be paid back according to what he has done while in the body, whether good or evil. You can choose how this goes. But let's be really clear, let's be really straight, your salvation is not in question. We're not talking about doing stuff to get to heaven. We're not talking about doing stuff to have the consequences of your sins removed. Your salvation, your eternal destination, whether you've even got an eternal destination, is not in question here. We're not talking about doing stuff to get to heaven. We're not working our way back to God to close the distance that our sin creates. That's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to scriptures alone, for the glory of God alone. So we're not talking about earning your salvation. Mm -hmm. That does deserve a woo. It is, <laughs> by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, for the glory of God alone. Yeah. <laughs> I think the first one was better. Yeah, yes, it is, Miro, you are right. We're not talking about salvation. We're not earning our way back to God. We can't, but it matters. God cares about How we behave in the meantime, our behavior doesn't determine what our eternity will look like, or if we have even got an eternity, it does determine how we are met by the Lord. So, let me ask you, how many of you care about how Jesus is going to meet you? About half the people, very good. I'm presuming that everybody else is too shy to like put a hand up. Next uh, couple of weeks, we're back at school. Much bigger room, much more anonymous, darker. You can put your hand up. Nobody's going to see you. Uh, but I'm going to assume, I'm going to hope, we'll pray that you all care about how Jesus is going to greet and meet you. Yeah, okay, good. So how many of you, at least the people who explicitly said so, how many of you really get it that whilst you can't affect your salvation in any way, shape, or form, you absolutely want 100% have a choice of how you are greeted by Jesus? How many people really get that? Yeah, we do. Good. How many of you are actually willing to do something to improve that meeting? Wow, that got less every time. So you two, we're good. We'll do church. (laughs) We'll bring everybody else along with us. Uh, (laughs) How many people are willing to do something? Jesus says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me to pay each one according to what he's done. That's really clear. He is coming back. And he's maybe got a reward for you. Maybe not. The fact that you will meet him as savior and not judge is... Grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone, Christ alone, all the alones. How we meet him is 100% up to you. Nothing in your life falls outside of the scope that God cares about how you behave. He wants you to understand that. And like Paul wants the Corinthians, like we want for our kids, he wants you to choose to behave like a believer. So whilst now we're not in eternity yet, are we? With his resurrection, Jesus has started that process. That's how we can say, I'm coming soon. We're in the bigger picture. We're in the, this, this, this part of time. We're in a period of time. Scripture calls the last days before Jesus returns. There's nothing else on this prophetic timeline he is coming, he's coming again, he's coming soon. It's quickly without warning. And then it'll be too late to start behaving like a believer. And so yes, there's either a return for him or a return for us before we enter into eternity personally. And because of his truly amazing grace, we have a choice as to how that will go. Again, we get there by grace alone alone. But 100%, we we choose how we are going to be met. So, as Paul is saying to the Corinthians, so God is saying the same thing to you today. Understand this, and then choose to behave like a believer. Amen? Amen. Uh, let's stand, and we're going to pray together. And we'll just take a, a moment or so... A very personal prayer think about the choices that you make each and every day do they is it you walking the walk does it match your talk are we be are we choosing to behave like believers each and every day so we'll take a moment of personal prayer and then uh,